you know, obviously we can dive into insecurity and it's like realizing, hey, if God placed you in a particular role, like step into it, own it, he'll give you the wisdom, the discernment you need. But I think when I stepped into this world, I immediately overcomplicated it in my mind. Welcome to the Social Media Church Podcast. I'm Neil Smith, joined by my friend Alan George, former Church Online Pastor of Life Church. And I am so excited to talk to Alan and get to know what's next uh, for Alan George. Uh, Alan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Nils. I love that we get to connect. I mean, we go way back. This way is, back. Uh, yeah, I, I remember my early uh, years stepping into the church online world. I remember you and I talked and I think yep. it had to be like 2011 or something like that. So yeah. I love seeing how God has continued to grow the church and grow us um, as well. So yeah, love that we get to connect. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I still remember that first phone call. Uh, you, you were so kind and you were just took the role. I was probably six months into my role at Community Bible Church and you and I were both figuring it out, you know, yeah, on the fly yeah. uh, as we went. So let's talk, let's talk first about the transition. You and I talked, yeah. you know, privately about it, but I'd love for everyone to know there's probably people thinking, is there drama at Life Church? Is something going on? Uh, you've been you've been the guy there for a decade in that yeah. role. So so talk about what's what it, what is next? What led you to to making this yeah. decision? No, um, man, it's uh, yeah, for those who don't know, um, I joined the Life Church team in 2010. And probably six months um, into my time there on staff, I, I started serving as a church online pastor. And I really like that was it. I'm not a technology guy, but I'm extremely passionate about sharing the gospel. And for me, technology allows you to reach people no matter where they live in the world. And so that was like the 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 bulb that went off in my mind of like, yes, we've got to leverage technology. And so as we all know, uh, 2020 COVID hits. And in March, I remember March 14th was the weekend when all of our locations at Life Church shut down. And, you know, at, at that time for me, it's like, obviously we've been doing church online at Life Church for all four, um, 14 years up to that point. Yeah. And so it was like, God, I know this works, but we've never seen this kind of traffic showing up. Please let everything just work. And it worked. And it was you know, obviously there were bumps along the way and we had to like, uh, you know, figure out new ways to do things. But it was really cool to see when the world was at a desperate point uh, in their time at the church, not just Life Church, but the Capital C Church got to meet people right where they're at. And so that was an exciting time. And I, I mean, the road ahead, it was blue ocean. We get to figure new things out. I was super excited. It was somewhere around the end of June, July, I began to feel in my heart that my chapter was done. And now, mind you, my wife is on staff. Like we are completely plugged into Life Church. Life Church is my first full-time ministry job. Yeah. And so it, it really transformed the way I see ministry, helped me develop as a leader. So there's no off-ramp for me. Yeah. And so when I saw, when I started feeling this, I thought, is this the devil? Like get thee behind me, Satan, you know, yeah. like yeah. what's going on? But it just, I, I, I knew there was something there. And so we began to pray about it as a family and I quickly shared it with leadership. I just, because we have an open relationship and it's easy to, um, uh, there's no reason, re reason to feel threatened to share like, hey, I've got this thing. I don't know what's going on. 
And so they were so kind uh, in terms of just standing with me, walking with me through it, praying with me. Um, neither one of us wanted to, like, I didn't want to leave. They didn't want me to leave. But as we kept praying and as we got, kept continued the conversation, we just knew that, man, God's ways are higher than ours. And it does look like your season right now is done here on staff. And so it was one of the most difficult decisions for me to make. Because um, it's easy to leave when things are hard, like yeah. when the team sucks and you're just not, you know, it's not firing on all cylinders. It's yeah. like, dude, I'm out of here. Like, this is not worth my time. But when everything is going well, we had an incredible team that I had the opportunity to be a part of. And, our, and I just felt like, man, we're finally like things are clicking. And it's like, here we go. And God's saying, hey, this is all I needed you to do. And it was like, no. So it was really hard. Yeah. But I also take think back to the times when I quit my corporate job in 2008. Mm -hmm. And I was nervous then and I trusted God. And the last if the last 10 years are any clue to what God might do in the next 10, sign me up, yep. you know, and so it was a very, it, it was hard, but I'm also excited uh, to step into and what this next season might be. So that's kind of how the transition yeah. took place. And so it was the end of November or sometime during November when I transitioned. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you, you knew it was time uh, to yeah. take that step. What are, what, what are you stepping into? What's, what's next uh, for Alan George? So um, when I started thinking about stepping off, you were one of the people that I called yeah. <laughs> like, Mills, what am I doing? Like, what do I do? <laughs> And uh, so there were a few people that I really look up to and I count as close friends. And so I, uh, I called you, I called a few other guys and I just said, Hey, here's what I'm, you know, going through. I'd love for your prayers. I'd love, just tell me if I'm crazy. And, and yeah. it was just overwhelming support um, and overwhelming, just, just assurance that, Hey, if God's got you this far, he'll take care of you. And so Really, there was no writing on the wall saying, Alan, go do this. And everybody, I mean, people had questions like, are you planning a church? Are you doing this? And I've had all the ideas, but I, I know enough now to not take a step without God giving me that clear direction. Yes. And so as I was praying in the midst of that uncertainty, I began to have churches that just reach out and saying, hey, would you be open to just helping us figure out digital ministry and church online, social media, all of that stuff? And I was like, Sure. Now, um, I've never had any consulting experience whatsoever. I just, we, I just, it was not something that I had the opportunity to step into. And so that was a new world for me. And so I think right now what God is doing is be, my personality type loves clarity. I need to know exactly where I'm going, which is funny when you think about doing ministry online, because it's a constantly changing narrative. But yeah. I just I need clarity. I'm black and white. And when I think of things and so God is teaching me to embrace this gift of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. um, Kevin Penry, who's a mentor of mine, he kind of coined that and helped me process through that. And so in the midst of that, I had the opportunity to meet Nathan Art. Some of you might know him through Ministry Solutions. They're an organization that helps churches with buildings and uh, launching, you know, um, building projects and things like that. And God placed a vision on his heart to launch what's called XP Solutions. It's offering churches access to executive pastors, either if they're understaffed or they're trying to step into a new world like digital ministry. 
And they're going, man, how do I get access to people that can help us walk through this journey? So he and I met and his, I mean, we just clicked because our vision for digital ministry is the same and we're passionate about reaching the lost. And, and that relationship, uh, we started having that conversation in December and then January, we officially partnered. So I've partnered with XP Solutions to help churches as they're trying to navigate through this new digital world. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And, and when you shared that with me, that's where I was like, you got to come on the podcast and share this with, you know, our, our listeners, because it's the, the, the wealth of knowledge that you have from the last 10 years is so valuable. And, and one of the things I've respected about you is honestly, how many times you said no to speaking opportunities, to consulting opportunities, because you were focused on what God had called you to right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, and that you, and you would send people to me, you know, to, to go, that because I had time to go yeah. to go uh, to talk to them and coach them and consult with them, um, and so when you re- reached out to me and said, "Do you think this is I'm crazy here?" It was like absolutely not. Like what 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 you have to offer uh, churches holistically around the world is is incredible. I I hear almost weekly from a pastor saying, "Hey, I'm thinking about quitting ministry and going into consulting," and and I ask them like, "Are people asking you to consult?" They're like, "No." I just think if I put a website up, uh, I'll, I'll get, and it's like, no, you like, you haven't done anything, you know, uh, but, but you, you know, I think, I think there's really only, you know, probably you and Jay are the two other people that have a decade's worth of church online experience. And, and I think what you can bring to the body uh, out of that, that wealth of knowledge is, is incredible. And I, and I shared with you and I want to share with everybody here is that when you transition out of that role, there's a mourning that comes with that. And, and I think as you, you, you invested so much of your life, of your energy, of your passion into church online and into that team, into that congregation. Um, and so I know that there's a lot of emotions and you've been, you've been very cautious and as you step out and walk on water in this season. Uh, but but I, I believe that your ministry, and this is what I've experienced, is going to be not just 10x. I think it's going to be 100x what you've experienced before, because now you can take those experiences and you've built church online that, you know, the next leadership can run with it uh, for, from where you built it. But but I think now you can also then help ministries all over the place. And so if you're a church out there, I just, you know, I want to, I want to give a sales pitch on your behalf here, Alan. <laughs> Thank uh, you. if, if you're a church out there and you want help with church online, Alan George is available, you know, and, and this has never been available before. Uh, and so uh, this is a big I'm deal. Grateful. I'm and, grateful. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you, man. I, I um, you're right. It is the transition's hard, but it was another reminder that, hey, this is God's church. It's his team. Yes. And he's just calling us to steward it. And so, it, it, but you're right. You pour so much into it and you feel like it's yours. It's never ours. It's yeah. always his. Yeah. And what's interesting, and I shared this with you, I knew God was working all over the world. Like I knew it. Yes. But because my head was down, kind of focused on what I was doing, I didn't get the opportunity to see it that much. Yep. And now as I've started talking to pastors and church leaders, it's like, wow, you're doing that? Oh my gosh, like, I wish I had talked to you, you know, and it's yeah. like, there's so much that God is doing because his kingdom is so big. And so yeah. I'm really enjoying um, seeing the whole horizon and seeing how God's doing different things. And you see a church doing something with YouTube that I never thought about. You see God doing something through 
uh, Facebook and the church online platform and now clubhouse. And there's all these new things that people are trying. And it's like, I'm, I'm grateful that God's given me, giving me the opportunity to lift up my head and just go, Oh, wow. His kingdom is significantly big. And I haven't even seen, you know, a little bit of it. And so, yeah, yeah, it is truly an exciting season. It is. It is. And, and I know it's a scary season and I know it's a, uh, you know, and, and you don't know what's next. And, I, you know, and, and my story, Alan, is I knew for a year before I, I was supposed to leave CBC that it was time for me to transition. But I, if, I, if I'm honest, I had so much of my identity in that, in that role and what I had built that I, I, I clung to it as long as I could. And I didn't get fired and I didn't, you know, quit. I transitioned out uh, and, and, and really with a clear clarity of calling. But but I, I held on for, for probably six months too long. And so your, uh, the, the way you're stepping out, I just, I, I love it. I want to, in this time, see, you know, really go back 10 years um, and what you've learned and what, what people can just, as you look back on, on what the experiences you learned, maybe your biggest mistakes, your biggest wins. Uh, I, I, one thing that I want to point out that you said at the beginning of this conversation that I think is so important for uh, people choosing a church online pastor is that you didn't have technology experience. And, and I think the biggest mistake that I see churches make is they put either the youth pastor or the techie in charge mm-hmm. of church online. And if you're playing with technology all day, you're not pastoring a congregation. And the technology is just a tool uh, to, to, to minister to people. And that's when I first met you, you were like, I felt, I feel called to reach the world. And now all of a sudden I see the internet allows me to reach the world. But, but talk about, so that, that's just the advice, just something to pull out of your experience. What other lessons did you learn along the way that you feel like were really key to your success? Yeah, I, and you said it. I mean, that was at the start, that was a lot of what I struggled with. You know, obviously we can dive into insecurity and it's like realizing, hey, if God placed you in a particular role, like step into it, own it, he'll give you the wisdom, the discernment you need. But I think when I stepped into this world, I immediately overcomplicated it in my mind. And I just assumed it's like, it's going to be different. It's, it's confusing. It's, you know, it's technical. Like, what is this all about? And there are aspects of it that are technical. But I think of it this way. When you talk about doing ministry in a church building, very rarely do you talk to a pastor stepping into that role and going, man, I don't know how much cement was poured into this building. I don't fully understand all the length with, you know, like whatever city laws, which, which have to do with this building permit. And, you know, like, no, there are people that you can, you can bring onto your team that have an expertise in that area. But as a pastor in a physical building, your goal is to reach people, share the gospel. It's to engage with them. Yep. And so for me, that the, the deficit of the technology knowledge forced me to really go, okay, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. What do I know? Well, I know how to care for people. I know how to love people. I think I understand what people want. And so I just started leveraging the things that I understood and I realized that the technical stuff, it's just like building a building, like find people that know how to do that and they'll, they'll build a building for you. They'll build the technology platform for you. Yes. Real funny story, but if anybody asks me, uh, Church Online Platform was created in our church and I have no idea how to set up a service <laughs> on Church Online Platform Absolutely. to this day. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I can't effectively pastor people. Yeah. 
God has people with different talents and different gifts and different strengths. But if you're the pastor, if you're leading this, lean into the gifts and the strengths that God's given you so that you can truly meet people where they're at. And, and I think I'll, I'll, I'll say this one more thing and then I'll get off my soapbox. But I think as pastors, when we think about how we're represented in our buildings, we're very critical. We're very careful. I want to make sure you have the right greeters, you have the right atmosphere. So when people walk into our physical building, they experience our heart and passion. The same is true when people walk through our digital doors. But in so many churches, the digital doorway or that digital space is an afterthought. It's, oh yeah, post a social media post and, you know, forget about it. We would never do that at our physical building. We'd never leave the doors open and let people just wander wherever they want. We will meet them where they're at and provide care and, and represent ourselves, represent who our church is. And so we just simply need to do that online. I, I know it's simple. It sounds simple. In many ways it is. Um, I think we tend to overcomplicate it. Yeah, I, I think that's such good advice. Uh, and I think we do this in our in our physical churches as well. Is you know, we, we really, we, we, we want to develop all these huge strategies and, you know, complex systems. And sometimes it's like, look, just do evangelism, you know, the best way you can disciple people, get in the world, people. you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and fellowship, get together, uh, hang out. And, and, and at the end of the day, that's what we figured out with Church Online is, you know, can we use Zoom? Can we use, and I, I remember the gatherings we would have where we would just talk about like, Who's, who, what video conferencing tool are you using? And at the core, we, we didn't get into the nuances of who's building it. We, we really talked about how, how are you doing person-to-person ministry uh, with these tools? Uh, Alan, as you look back, is there, is there a story or two of life change that just stands out to you uh, that, that happened in your 10 years at Life Church, or just a, maybe a movement or a season? Yeah, I think the biggest impact story. I mean, there's been hundreds and thousands of yeah. stories, but the one that really comes to my mind is one that happened really early on. Okay. Um, I traveled to India to go meet some of our volunteers and yeah. small groups and things like that. And I was, I was having coffee with one of our volunteers and she had her brother with her. So it was the three of us. And so I was talking to her again to hear her story. And in the middle of our conversation, her brother said, Pastor Allen, do you, you don't know who I am. And I was like, um, I mean, I know you're her brother, like, and he was like, no, 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 you don't know who I am, do you? And I was like, no, I, 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 I mean, outside of that, I don't. And he mentioned to me a chat name. And this chat name was a name that was very popular, not for the right reason within our internal team uh, uh, circle, because this guy, there was this one guy that would come and he would just Oh my goodness, he was the biggest pain in our services. I mean, he was constantly trying to pull the conversation away and distract people. And I was like, wait, that's you? And he was like, yeah, that's me. I was like, wait, what? What is going on? And he told me a story. He said, they come from a Hindu background. I'll I'll try to shorten it. They come from a Hindu background. His sister met Christ. She searched online. I want to know about God, something like that. And she happened to find a life church service. She's been attending. He, when he was in the 10th grade, something happened to his body physically to where he was medically unable to get out of bed. And he, he, something happened to where he became bedridden. So he had to drop out of school and he was so mad at God. He didn't know who God was, but he was just mad at God. And he saw his sister 
stepping into this new relationship with God and going online. So when she would go to her room and log on to one of our services and serve, he would come from his room and log on just to just to get just yell at people and just take out his frustration. And I said, so what changed? He said, well, I kept yelling at you guys for about a year and you never kicked me out. And that's that's something we talk about as a team. It's we just let people stay because we're there to reach them. Yeah. And so he said, man, I would abuse you guys. I would do all sorts of things and you never kick me out, which made me think there's something different. And wow. that started birthing this curiosity in his heart. And he finally gave his life to Christ. And so mm-hmm. I was like, how come I didn't hear this story? Like, what, why, am I, why am I hearing this now? Because th- yes. these are the stories that you live off of, right? Yes. And he's like, well... As soon as I got saved, I just shut my laptop and I went to find somebody locally that I could talk to. And so now we're working on planting the first church in our community. Wow. And that just, I mean, in so many different levels, just started opening up my mind to, man, his life was changed. We loved him. We didn't push him away. When he got saved, his first response wasn't to tell us. And I think so many times in, in ministry, when we do it online, we need to learn to be open-handed. Again, this is God's thing. And so we may not see the full impact of what we're doing, but doesn't mean God's not working. And so that was another lesson for me. And then the guy's planting his first church in his community. So that was like one of the earliest stories that I came face to face with and a conversation with somebody that felt like they've never stepped into our physical doors, but life church was their home church and pastor Craig was their, their pastor. And it, even though I was, selling that or I was talking about it it was my first time seeing somebody that was in a different country that could that from a different culture and all of that and so that just began to show me that this is possible that we can leverage technology and you can have your church extend out of the four walls of your physical location yes I love that so much such a good story that uh I I think you know one of the things I learned in in church online is just the global perspective as an American, I didn't realize my blinders on America mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, and just the beauty of, of the cultures in, in so many different regions. And, and when they can come together and do church together online, it's in communion. And, and the things that you get to do online as a church body are just beautiful. Um, and, and it's hard to even understand, you know, the significance yeah. until you hear a story like that and you meet that person in the flesh. What it, when it comes to, and, and so most of the churches that listen to this podcast are American or Canadian churches. Uh, what, what have you learned about global ministry outside of the U.S., outside of North America through doing church online? I think one thing that helped me get a different perspective was I moved to the U.S. in 2004. Yep. And so I remember the first time, um, and I grew up, I'm from India, but I was raised in the Middle East for most of my years until 2004. Okay. And so Muslim country, yep. we had, uh, I was raised in the island of Bahrain, which is like, you have to like oh. zoom in like 50 times to actually see yeah. it. It's like a dot on the map. But it, it was a Muslim country, but we had the freedom of religion, but there was no Christian music. There were no Christian bookstores. There was no, I mean, no YouTube, none of that stuff. And so I remember when TBN was first available uh, in Bahrain. And I remember just my eyes opening to seeing churches that had 500, 1,000, 10,000 seat or auditoriums. I thought, 
are there that many people that love Jesus? Like, like, whoa, like it blew my mind. And, but I also realized that it's, that unknowingly I felt like American churches or North American churches had it all together Hmm. and they don't need me Hmm. because they've got people, they've got the money, they've got the cool equipment and technology. Why would they want to have something to do with a kid like me living in the Middle East? And so I carried, I think I carried that. I still carry that to uh, here in, in any role that I'm in. When I think about representing ourselves, especially as a church from North America, I don't want anyone to feel like we cannot, we don't have a place for them. And I don't want them to feel like they're not welcome here and that we want to get something from them. No, no, no. It's, it's not something we want from them. It's what we want something for them. And they have gifts, they have talents. And so I think the way we come across, the way we communicate, the way we talk, all of that matters to making sure that our people feel um, that they're needed and known. I'll give you an example. Um, the the culture that we created within our team, especially our volunteer team was, if we say that an event is starting at 10 a.m., it's starting at 10 a.m. And I come from an Indian background. And so there's something we joke about called the Indian standard time, where if something's starting at 10 a.m., you show up at like 1045, and you're still early. And so when you have a global volunteer team, yeah, you can say be here at 10 o'clock. And if they're not there at 10 o'clock, and you try to have that conversation, it can feel like you're being disrespectful, yeah. disrespectful. And yeah. we're not being disrespectful. It's just like, hey, 10 o'clock is 10 o'clock, but you got to understand cultures. So I think it's easy for us to jump real quick and say, hey, you were late. You're not a, you're not a volunteer that I can trust. Yeah. No, I'm not used to your culture where when you say 10 o'clock, you mean 10 o'clock. And so I think it's being patient and taking time to listen before jumping to conclusions. Because yeah. sometimes we do carry ourselves and I, I, not, I don't want to make a blanket statement. So I have been guilty of feeling like I know what I'm doing. And when I say 10 o'clock, be here at 10 o'clock. Yeah. And many times it's like you got to have an empathetic ear to hear, hey, Tell me about your culture. Help me understand what is causing you to not be here at 10 o'clock. And maybe it's their job. Maybe it's not a cultural thing, you know? And, and so I think it's just listen first before talking and make sure that your core values, they don't have to change, but you can help your teams understand that. And you can help the people that you're reaching understand it better. So it really goes back to what you were talking about. If we have the patience to love people like God did, then we'll be patient to sit and listen to them instead of saying, you know, instead of being Pharisees and Sadducees and doing all that fun stuff, we can be like Jesus. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I think that key word there's empathy, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and listening. And, and there's, because as, as, we, as we listen and as we learn, we grow and, and we understand. And I think we begin to understand that our American way isn't always the best way. It's just what we know. And, and so it's, there's so much to learn from so many different cultures and regions. And I, I honestly had no idea uh, prior to uh, my time doing church online. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here and I didn't give you a heads up on any of these questions, but uh, I would love to know if you're willing to admit uh, your biggest mistake uh, that you've made in, in, in your 10 years leading um, church online. Plenty of mistakes. I'll tell you one that stings pretty bad. So you were doing this thing where you had these 15 minute services or yeah. seven minutes, yeah. like you were trying something, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. 
And I'm and, and we had our hour and five minutes. Like it was yeah. that's what we did. Yeah. And so I thought, man, if Nils is trying this, I want to try it. And I thought, you know, I'll just I'll just switch things around. I mean, you know, it's like who's gonna know, right? And unfortunately, so I think Pastor Craig has a few friends that know when he's gonna start preaching. And okay. so they time it to where it's like, oh yeah, Craig's going to preach at this time. So they don't really wait for the whole service. They just show up at that time because yep. they're hearing notes or whatever, whatever it might be. I just decided one day, hey, if Nils is doing it, let me change things around. So I flipped the service around. I did like half a song. I went straight to the message and I completely just shortened the service. And I, I was just trying something without yep. asking permission. Yep. Nobody knew about it. It was just me. And yep. I told my team, I was like, oh yeah, I got it. We'll, we'll be fine. And that was a one week, uh, a, a big name pastor. I don't want to say who, but pretty much texted Craig. And he was like, hey, what, what happened to your service? Like, I, I totally missed like half of your message. And so then Pastor Craig's going, what? I don't know what's good, you know? And so that was a phone call that you don't want to get. And so I learned my lesson. Oh, really man. I was like, I mean, I knew enough not to mess with the message, but I was like, everything yeah. around it, I'll, let me just play with it. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was one that, yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. It's good to know that I am a part of your biggest, biggest mistake. It's me. You, you inspired me. You were not part of the biggest mistake. You did it right. I just didn't know how to figure it out. So I was like, oh, I'll just try it. That's so funny. yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, as you look, as you look to the future uh, of church online, where, where this is going, what, what are some things that you see? on the horizon or things you get excited about in the future? Man, I, um, I, I really love the fact that, I mean, obviously COVID was a horrible experience and there are so many people that have suffered tremendous loss. And so uh, that's heartbreaking, but it also forced the church to hit the reset button. And I think uh, I tend to hear a lot of ch some churches saying, man, I can't wait for it to get back to normal. And the reality is we could go back to normal, but we also have an opportunity to discover what could be. Yep. And so I, I think for the churches that are willing to embrace the gift of uncertainty yep. and say, I'm, I'm willing to try some stuff that we've never tried before, yep. and I'm willing to experiment, I think we, those churches would be the ones that will figure out some new opportunities and some new ways to connect with people. Because regardless of what people think, for me, the way I view digital technology, it's not digital versus the physical. It's people. Yep. It's not your digital audience versus your physical audience. It's people. When you think about large companies, I mean, Target, for example, is not thinking about, I haven't talked to them, but I would assume I can't tell as a guest that yep. they're looking at me as a digital audience versus one that walks into their building. But as churches, we're always, even the way we track our data, it's all very segmented. It's like our data with regards to physical is going one way, with regards to digital is going another way, yep. when in many times it's the same person. And if yep. we can figure out how do I reach people in whichever place they are, I feel like that they, the user, the, the attendee, the person we're trying to reach will have a better experience within our church. Yeah. Like, like Clubhouse. Clubhouse is something that I've been thinking about. I've yeah. been spending way too much time on that app. But I was in a, 
in a, a room where I think the conversation was, go I wasn't there for the whole five, six hours, but I think the conversation was going on for like five or six hours when I just joined and they were nowhere near stopping. Interesting. And it was not a church group or a Christian conversation, but it tells me that there's an appetite for people wanting to connect with each other. Yeah. And so if we as a church, we're not maximizing that. I mean, why not? Why not small groups and all over the world? Like, why not leverage Clubhouse to start meeting? Because you now get to pick a topic, you talk about it, and you're opening your front door saying, hey, if you want to come join us, come hang out. Yeah. And it's different, yeah. but yeah. different doesn't have to be met bad. Now, it might be a little bit messy, yes. but let's embrace the messiness because ministry is messy. So I, I think we need more people in the church that's willing to take a risk and not be afraid of failure because it's at the other side of failure where we learn and we get to expand the kingdom of God. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, Which I think, need to do a clubhouse thing, by the way. Yeah. We, we and, and I've, I've definitely have talked about it. Uh, Sharissa, who, who's one of our regulars here on the podcast has been living in clubhouse and teaching us a ton. Uh, but yeah, we definitely need to have a, a church online clubhouse conversation yes, we do. or social media uh, conversation. Uh, Alan, thanks so much for leading the way uh, for so many others, for setting a model um, and, and for serving uh, church leaders. And so I'm so excited for you in this next season. Uh, I want to give you a chance to just one last piece of advice. But before that, how, how can people get a hold of you? What's How can they find you? Um, yeah, the uh, easiest way I'm on social media, Instagram, mainly Alan V. George. Uh, you DM me. I'll connect with you for sure. Um, the other way is email reach Alan George at gmail.com. Um, yeah, just if you look online, you'll find me. Hopefully, you'll find me or ask Nils um, and he'll let you know yeah. how to get a hold of me. But I just real quickly, man, thank you so much. I have learned so much from you and there's a, your leadership and the way you're, you've stretched me when it comes to thinking. Um, further than I'm comfortable thinking. And I, I, I really look up to you. And I, anytime I feel like, man, I, I need to get out of my comfort zone, what's Nils doing? So I am so grateful for your leadership, not just with me, but the entire, you know, Global Sea Church, man, you are leading the way. And I'm grateful for our friendship and, and honored that I get to learn from you. Yeah, means a ton, means a ton. We, we will have Alan's uh, contact info in on the website, socialmedia.church in the show notes, uh, so you can find it there. Alan, one last piece of advice you would give to pastors, ministry leaders uh, going into 2021. My verse um, that stuck with me the whole time is Ephesians 3.20, for God can do immeasurably more than we can dare to imagine. I think we so many times underestimate what God can do through us in the long run. And so if you're stepping into this new season, whatever it might be, and you're struggling with uncertainty, it's not a threat. It's not a bad thing. It's a gift. Because when we have the gift of uncertainty, we get to see the hand of God in action. So why lose that opportunity? So instead of running away from it, embrace it, just just lean into that gift of uncertainty because it's in the midst of that uncertainty that we will see clearly how God's working. So, man, keep going. It, it Don't quit. Keep going. God's got you there for a reason, and he will see you through it. So good. Thanks, Alan.